morning, Richmond family. It's so good to be able to see you all today. Um, I don't know about you, but being back these last few weeks, it's made me realise how a blessing, how much of a blessing it is to be able to gather together, to sing together, to pray together. It's so good. For those of you who I haven't met before, my name's Josh, and I'm really excited today to be continuing our series on life in the new normal. I know we sound like a broken record saying this every week. It's something we hear in our news. It's something we say to one another regularly. But I think as we do a topic like life in the new normal, it's important that we continue to name that this is an incredibly unusual year. And even though we're all in this together, life in the new normal looks different for each of us. Our experience of this strangeness has been different. Some of us have found ourselves much busier. Things have ramped up. Some of us have had a period of forced quietness. The things we're stressed about going forwards will be different from one another. The things we're worried about in the present are different. But the thing that's true for all of us is that this is an odd year. One that's come without an instruction book. One that we're having to rediscover things. One where we're constantly learning things. We're going to consider today learning about priorities in these times. But one of the things I want to say at the start is the new normal isn't just a set of consequences that have been put onto us. The new normal is something we're seeking to create. We're learning lessons, but we want to apply them imaginatively to what we create in the future, to the people we want to be, to the disciples we're becoming. To help us reimagine priorities in the new normal, we're going to read a passage from Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. Um, if you'd like to follow along, feel free to. Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will, be not, and it will not be taken away from her. There are lots of different angles from which we could look at this passage. I've heard several interpretations. I've heard many messages on it. And I think the most typical one I've heard is this story is giving us the contemplative life versus the active life. It's telling us that we're meant to be contemplative rather than active. As someone whose natural posture is more contemplative, I've really enjoyed this interpretation. <laughs> it's made me feel a bit better about myself. But I think if we stop and think deeply about this passage, we know that can't be the point. Sure, Jesus is very contemplative. If we look at the Gospels, he takes lots of time to be alone. He separates himself from the crowd, takes time to meditate and pray. But he's also very active. Afterwards, he'll come back, he'll teach, preach, surround himself with disciples, followers, go from town to town, take part in festivals, perform healings. If we look at Jesus as a whole, we see that he holds both the contemplative life and the active life together. He doesn't see them in opposition. If we're called to be his followers, if we're called to follow his image, surely we're called to do the same thing. We're not called to take up the contemplative life or the active life 
when we look at Mary in this story and she's sitting in her lounge room, I don't think we're called to do that 24-7. We have a word for people that do that 24-7 and it isn't contemplative. It's generally lazy or something along those lines. And the concerns that Martha raises are valid. When we look at this verse, it says there are preparations that need to be made. Jesus was fully human. He needed to eat. It's good to have a tidy house when people are around. I'm the oldest of three siblings. When we've had family friends around, I've been able to resonate with Martha here. My siblings don't really believe that food's all that important for our guests, or cleaning's that important, or looking after them. I think her concerns are really valid. However, what this story tells us is that Martha's activeness meant that she missed what was really going on. And what I want to suggest this morning is that what this story is telling us is that Mary is an example of a model disciple, a model we're meant to follow. And because she's a model disciple, Mary hears and understands what's going on around her and responds faithfully. Mary is being the type of disciple we should seek to be. In this series, we're talking about life in the new normal, discipleship in the new normal. And what I'm learning is that discipleship is best learnt through the example of others. I think this is true throughout the Gospel. I've often turned to the Bible, hoping it could be an instruction manual. Tell me how to put my priorities. What should come first? What percentage of my time, money, effort, thinking should be on any certain thing? But when we look at the Bible, Jesus instead tells us how to be disciples. We look at Mary in this story. She realises something momentous is occurring and she listens. When we read the Gospel, Jesus is constantly pre- present, so I think we forget how big a deal that is. But the living God in human form is in Mary and Martha's home, in their living room, around for a meal. What an incredible reality. What a moment. Our situation at present isn't exactly the same as Mary and Martha's. We don't have the incarnate God coming around for lunch today. But we are living in a moment of history. For myself, this is probably the first time in my life that I've known I'm living in a period that will be in history books. In a hundred years, after I'm gone, people will talk about how we've reacted. My question is, as we live through a moment of history, as we live through something momentous, are we listening to what's going on? Are we listening and learning how to respond? What we learn is that momentous occasions reveal something of our priorities. In this season, we've all had things stripped away. We've all had to change our time and energy in some form or another. I know in preparing for this message that it's been really challenging for me to consider what this season has revealed about my own priorities. In verse 40, we're told that Martha was distracted. In this time, in all this craziness, I know I've often sought distraction. Things to keep me busy. Things to keep my mind away from the reality of what's going on. To drown out the voices. I've often sought distraction. At times I've looked like Mary without being Mary. Forced into periods of quiet. Periods of silence. But it hasn't meant that I've listened to God. It hasn't meant I've sat at his feet. The quiet can be as much of a distraction as the active life. And hopefully at times I've looked like Mary. 
managed to hear a bit of what God is saying in this time. What God's cry is in the midst of a pandemic. I wonder where have you found yourself? Have you been prone to distraction? Have you been paralysed by the quietness? Perhaps you've been the model disciple. If you're like me, you've probably been all three on one day at some point through this. I don't think we're ever stuck in one mode. But if we take these two women as examples, we see that they each do two things. First, they take up a posture and then they respond. Mary, as we've said, sits at the feet of Jesus. But it's what she does next that's important. She listens. Martha, we're told, takes up the posture of distraction. And then she goes and responds to Jesus by complaining. Martha speaks in a tone that's familiar to many of us in recent months. A tone of exasperation, frustration, feeling let down, perhaps angry. Things haven't turned out the way they were supposed to. She lets Jesus know this. And he turns around and tells her she's missed the point. In this season, I suspect many of us have done the same thing. And if we have, perhaps this helps us to recognise that our priorities were not our own, but God's. I know that's been part of my journey the last few months. Some of you might know my story, some of you might not, but at the end of last year, Tamara and I moved to Canada. We'd been feeling for a few years that God was calling us over there, be a part of a Bible college. We'd got involved in a church, in a community, and everything was going exactly how it should be. We're feeling we'd followed God's call amazingly. And suddenly a global pandemic happens and we're back on a plane. We don't have our home to go back to. We didn't have our jobs to go back to. Things had taken a detour. And I certainly turned to God angry, exasperated, frustrated, asked a lot of questions. And I'm slowly hearing his answer. And he's saying to me, if you're really following my call, why are you upset when I've also called you home? When it hasn't turned out how you wanted at some point, I'd grasped hold of God's priorities and slowly formed them to my own, reimagined them for myself. At some point, I'd stopped listening or had only partially listened. Now, please don't hear me say that we're not meant to bring our angers, our frustrations, our worries, our concerns to God. We've just done our series on the Lord's Prayer where Jesus clearly tells us to bring these before him. We're clearly meant to be in conversation about these things. But my question is, are we listening as we do it? It's certainly not bad to ask questions. But when I read Martha's words, I see someone that's not really asking for Jesus' input, but telling him what he should be doing. When I look at a world that's hurting, that's confused and frustrated, am I telling Jesus what he should be doing? Or am I listening for what is going on? How is the way the world's changed, reshaping our posture, how is it teaching us how to listen? When this period is stripped much of the normal away, what are we recognising about our own priorities? I think the question is, are we choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus? Which begs the obvious question. In the new normal, what does it look like to sit at the feet of Jesus? I wish I had a quick and easy answer for you to make the second half of this message way easier. But as I said at the start, the Bible doesn't read as an instruction manual. It doesn't tell us to do X and then Y and then Z, or to put our time and resources a certain way rather than that way. 
It gives us stories, examples. It tells us what it looks like in the end. It looks like the kingdom, like loving the unloved, pouring out of selves. But how that looks in our own life is a matter of discernment. When we want to learn what it looks like to sit at the feet of Jesus, I suggest we turn to stories and examples, like those in the Bible or those of one another. I found it really helpful in this season to be a part of a gospel group, to hear the stories of how people are journeying in this season, to hear how people are having their priorities reshaped, how they're learning to faithfully walk. I've loved in this series hearing the stories of our church family and and the questions they're asking and where God is leading them, the cries they're hearing for God. Uh, We've got the Thompson family in our gospel group and we're going to invite them up today, but I've been really encouraged by hearing um, what they're learning about priorities in the new normal. Lord, we thank you for the Thompson family. Thank you for their words today. Thank you for their devotion to you. Thank you for their example of being disciples. Lord, we're touched by how they prioritise you, how they've been sitting at your feet. And Lord, we thank you that we do this in community. We thank you for the opportunity to hear one another's words, to pray for each other. And we pray for for the Thompsons as they navigate a new normal. We thank you for the provision of work, for the provision of of flexibility, to be able to do the things that are important as a family. Lord, may we know how to gather around them, how to support them as a family, and we're so blessed by the way they support us. Lord, we thank you once again for them. We thank you so much. Amen. If I can take a small moment to pitch gospel groups, I think the stories we're hearing are really important, especially in a new normal, ways that we can share stories, that we can have more intimate connections, Um, has certainly been helpful for Tamara and I. I know it's been helpful for many in our gospel group. So if you're not connected in one at the moment, please do speak to any of our pastoral team. Give me a call or an email during the week if you'd like to, um, because I think that's so important as we navigate a new normal, as we create a new normal. But what I've learned from hearing the story of the Thompson, from praying with these guys, what I've learned from the passage of Mary and Martha is that central to prioritisation is sitting at God's feet, The Bible, this passage isn't calling us to be constantly contemplative. It's not calling us to be constantly active. It is calling us to constantly be at the feet of Jesus, to be constantly listening. That's what being disciples is about. I hope as we're in a different situation, we're taking some moments to reflect on where the kingdom is at work now, to be actively listening to where God's working in our neighbourhood, in our families, in ourselves. This season may have forced you into a posture of sitting, may have forced you into a posture of activity. I think the more important question is, are you actively listening or are you seeking distraction? When things are hard, do we seek our own survival, our own prosperity, or do we seek the gospel, the good of others? I was thinking of my reflections on priorities in the old normal. And I was thinking of a piece of advice that was particularly helpful for me. Throughout high school, I would always get the question, what are you going to do with your life? What's the career path? And I'd always tell people I didn't know. I was still working it out. And I continued on through uni. And the Christians would often say to me, God will tell you. God will make it abundantly clear. When the time's right, you'll know. 
and God didn't. He was a bit slow with the advice. And I went to a mentor with this. I said, what am I meant to do? Which path should I go down? How do I work out what my priorities are? Because he was wise, I thought he might point me to a passage in the Bible. Maybe the small part where there is an instruction manual. I thought maybe he'd pray and get a word from God and be able to tell me you should do X, Y and Z. But he didn't. He sat quietly for a couple of seconds and then he turned to me and said, Josh, I think God is far more concerned with how you do things than what you do. I remember thinking that was useless advice at the time. (laughs) Didn't help me at all. But it's been one of the most formative things in my life. That question is what I think Mary is doing well. She's listening to what's going on and she's responding. That was the correct decision. When the world returns to normal, will we keep listening as a central priority? Or is this just something we're being forced into for a small period of time? Jesus says in verse 42, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Sitting at the feet of Jesus doesn't inform our priority. It is our priority. I'll say that again, because if you walk away with one sentence, I hope it's that. Sitting at the feet of Jesus doesn't inform our priority. It is our priority. The new normal, this present season, has simplified many of our priorities by stripping some away, making us realise some of the things that we're holding on to too tightly. But the Bible goes even a further whoops, the Bible goes a step further still. It tells us that there is only one priority. Everything else we do in life is to come out of that. Our lives will become gospel shaped if we learn to sit at the feet of Jesus. To use Richmond language, we'll become kingdom shaped. My challenge to you to this week is whether you're active, whether you're quiet, no matter what you've got on. Ask yourself the question, am I sitting at the feet of Jesus? Am I listening to his cry for the world? Am I listening to the cry of the world? We're going to take a couple of minutes of silence now, which I know is going to be an unusual practice because when we've been at home at Zoom, there's been lots of silence. But I think there's something important about doing this as a community. And what I'd ask you to do is, if you're comfortable, is in this silence, close your eyes and picture yourself at the feet of Jesus. If it's helpful, picture him in your living room coming around for, um, for dinner. And listen to what's going on. Listen to his cry. Listen to his heart. I'll pray. We'll take a couple of minutes in silence and then we'll return to sing together. Father, we seek your word. We know you never stop speaking to us, but help us to listen well. Teach us the postures that place us in front of your feet. Open up our ears that we might hear. As we're learning many of the things we've held on to too tightly, help us to hold on to you. May you be our priority, Lord. May we constantly be listening in the midst of the chaos.